we've been in the book of Ecclesiastes for the past several months, and we're going to be there today in chapter 7. We're going to just get as far as we can. This is Braxton Butts, and Braxton's got a verse that he's going to read for us today. Braxton, you want to open it up and you want to read for us today? This is going to be in the book of Proverbs, right? Yes, sir. All right, why don't you read that verse for us? Proverbs 1-7. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You've got to look him in the eye. Proverbs 1-7. You've got to say, take out your Bibles. And Take turn. out your Bibles in Proverbs 1-7. You've got to look them. You've got to look them all in the eye. Look at all the adults looking Proverbs 1-7. Now, you're probably going to have to read it two or three times because adults, we have a hard time hearing, okay? So you can read it. Go ahead. Proverbs 1-7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, look. You want to do it one more time. You want to sort of like give it some emphasis. Like emphasize, like like act like you're preaching to them, okay? okay. Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Right. Where's your daddy at? Where's your mama? The parents over there? Parents, you did a good job. You did a good job. Is your English teacher here this morning? No, no, okay, okay, listen, I'll take that. Good job. Thank you, Mr. Braxton. I want you to do this today. Listen, I want you to get up, and I want you to hug the neck of somebody that's younger than 18 years old. Now, there is an exception. There is an exception. If you come upon somebody that you don't know, you can hug their neck, too. Now, see, this is going to be really tough for you guys, right? For some of you... For some of you, it really is not because you're huggers. But since it's family month and since we are paying close attention to our children and since we love having them in here and since it's wonderful to have them in here, I want everybody to make sure that they're welcome this morning. And if you happen to see somebody along the way that you don't know, make sure that you welcome them. So why don't you take a couple of minutes to do that? Go ahead. Tell a name. You're not under 18. All right. I hope that you have been welcomed. Why don't you go ahead, take out the book of Ecclesiastes, turn to chapter 7. 
Kids, I want you to look at me. All kids, I want you to wave these at me. Do you have these? If you're a child, I want you to wave these at me. Listen, there's some important things in here. Do not let your parents steal your candy. Some of you have already probably missing your candy because your parents took your bag before you ever looked to see what was in it. And they took your candy from you. Hey, parents, I want to make you, I want to make, uh, make sure that you know that on the back side of, of this card, there is a conversation piece. Miss Sharon talked about conversation. On the back side of, of this card, there is some conversation uh, pieces for you. One when you're at mealtime and also when you're in drive time. We want to make sure that, you, that you've got that uh, to help you out in those conversation pieces. But that's for you, parents, uh, kids today. Last week, does any of our kids remember what the big idea was? God alone. Say it again. God alone. God alone. Does any adults remember what the big idea was last week? God alone satisfies. We made it through verse 14. We started off, and this is basically what we said last week, that uh, in the midst of life, that there's a lot of things that we can search after. We can pursue comfort. But what this is what we said last week about comfort. That if, that if our pursuit in life is all about comfort in things and about another video game or about a boat. Boats, that's not, a really, that's not a really good thing, is it, John? After you just bought a boat yesterday. That's a sweet boat, by the way. We're going fishing. But if it's all, always about the pursuit of something to help you feel comfortable. This is what we learned last week, that that's a bottomless pit, and you're always going to be searching, and it'll never satisfy. And we learned last week that nothing brings satisfaction except for God. We're going to continue in that this week, as we, as we learned this week, that emptiness, there's emptiness in control. We're going to talk about the issue of control. And so if you'll turn to your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter Seven, we're going to continue where we left off last week. But remember this, kids, the bottom line is God alone satisfied. And we also said this last week that God's primary concern for us isn't our temporary condition of comfort, but our sanctification and our eternal security. Listen, God loves us, but his ultimate concern is not for our comfort. That's not it. But it's for us, for us to come into a personal relationship with him and for us to become more Christ-like. But let's talk about the emptiness of control. Write down this if, you, if you're taking notes. Write down the folly of fairness, the folly of fairness. When I say folly, what I'm saying is the idea of foolishness, foolishness of fairness. Um, and maybe, maybe you guys have, have had something that's unfair that's taken, taken place in your life this past week. Anybody used the word unfair this past week? <laughs> your kids? Yeah. How many kids had your siblings sit in the front seat and you thought it was unfair because you felt like you should have sat in the front seat? Why is that such a big deal, by the way? Yeah. All of us seem to have an unfair story. If we don't have an unfair story, our brother, our sister, our mother, our daughter, our friend, somebody around us has an unfair story, right? Where something in life has happened and somebody's wronged us, something's gone wrong, something took place. And for whatever the reason, things didn't go the way that we thought they should have gone. It was a bad deal. We were unfairly wronged. You might have been that person. 
And for whatever the reason, the person that may have wronged you didn't, they deserve punishment, but they didn't get it. And it was like their actions, their actions went unnoticed. And instead of getting punished, they might have been, even been rewarded. It was almost even, maybe have left, they may have even gotten off the hook. Well, Solomon says this idea of unfairness or feeling that life is unfair is just, you need to do away with it. You need to set it on the side because God is always, he's always fair. Let me read this passage of scripture to you. Let's start at verse 15. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 15. And this is what he has to say. He said, I've seen everything in this meaningful life. In other words, in this brief life up until this time, including the death of good young people and the long life of wicked people. So don't be too good or too wise. Why destroy yourself? On the other hand, don't be too wicked or don't be too wicked either. Don't be a fool. Why die before your time? Pay attention to these instructions for anyone who fears God will avoid these and extremes. And listen, listen to these thoughts here. He says too good or too wise. And then in verse 17, he says too wicked or being a fool. Why is it that some people that are so nasty and so wicked seem to be allowed to live for so long and then others who are so kind and so loving end up dying way before their time? And Solomon is saying, why is it that life seems to be so, so, so unfair? You felt that way before, haven't you? So you may not say that, but I know you have because I've been there. I've pitched my fit, and I've complained, and I've whined, and I've bellyached, and I've raised my fist at God. I have, and I've declared to God just how unfair life has been. And you know what our temptation is? This is the temptation, is to think that we can control life or guarantee a reward by being good, by being really good and really righteous, which is an error in itself, because what does the Scripture say? That none of us are righteous. No, not one. And on the other side, we can go to the extreme and say, I can do whatever I want because God doesn't care. Because if he did, then why do, why do people that do wrong things always seem to be rewarded? And so you got the extremes here. I can be good enough. I can just do whatever I want. And the thought is that prosperity here is not a sure sign of God's blessing. Neither is difficulty a sure sign of God's anger. And Solomon said, listen, don't go into stinking thinking. No stinking thinking. Look at the neighbor next to you and say, no stinking thinking. The logical just don't work. Don't think that you're smarter or wiser than God because whenever you think or you feel that way, you need to remember that God is always right and God knows exactly what he's doing. The book of Isaiah chapter 55 he says this, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything that you could ever dream or imagine. It may be difficult for us to understand why certain things in life are so unfair, but God is in control. He knows exactly what's going on. And Solomon says we can trust God because he is good. And Solomon's uncertainty wasn't about whether or not God would punish sin, but his uncertainty was about God's timing. Because there's going to come a time when God will punish sin, and you need to hold on to that. We just don't seem to like the timing a lot, do we? But the truth is he will punish sin. Look at verses 19 and 20 and write, 
maybe write this down, the folly or the foolishness of power. Power. He says there, one wise person is stronger than ten leading citizens of a town. Not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. Power and position can give us nothing more than a false sense of security. And you might want to add in their finances. Power, position, possessions, finances, or nothing more can be nothing more than a false sense of security because there is no power unless God gives it. The book of Deuteronomy talks about the fact that God is the one who gives power to produce wealth. And in the book of Romans, we see where Paul talks about it was, it's God who is the one who puts, who puts people in places of authority, positions of authority. He's the one that put, puts them in that position. And here's Jesus standing before Pilate in the New Testament when he's, when he's on trial. And, and Pilate says to Jesus, he says, listen, he says, you need to defend yourself. Because don't you know that I have the power? I have the power of life or death over you. And Jesus' response to him at that moment in time in John chapter 19, 11, Jesus said, you would have no power over me at, less, at all unless it were given to you from above. So simply put, true power and control rest in God and in God alone. So power comes from God, but real strength and wisdom is exhibited in the life of a person who depends on God. And so for those of us that are believers, wisdom is very, very important because wisdom says that I believe that God is in control. What's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? Knowledge is what? How would you define knowledge? All right, raise your hands. I can hear one. Yes. So wisdom is right knowledge applied. So what is knowledge? Facts, information. So knowledge is facts, information. Wisdom is knowledge applied. Yes. Fear the Lord. Mm -hmm. That's right. So, so if you look at it from this perspective, understanding wisdom is the information that we receive from God's word and putting that information to work, right? I mean, how many times have people been to a Bible study and yet they live like hell the rest of the week? What good does it do to go to a Bible study if you're not going to apply the knowledge that you receive from God's word? Wisdom is not just reading God's word. Wisdom is the application of God's word. True? Yes. So you can be the best student of God's word and still be dumb as a brick. Hello? That should be an amen. We got some great students of God's word that make some real dumb decisions. That's true. But here, what we find out and what it says is that power, real power, comes from God. The understanding that it comes from God, but real strength is exhibited in the life of a person who depends on God. In other words, my dependency is on God. I recognize where true power comes from, and I am dependent on God. And here we find out that wisdom is more important than power. Proverbs 21, 21 and 22, it says this, Whoever pursues righteousness and unfailing love will find life, righteousness, and honor. The wise conquer the city of the strong and level the fortress in which they trust. So the byproduct of trusting God is not only wisdom, 
but also the benefits of strength, safety. I mean, think about that. Wisdom. Better than power. Dependence on God. It's that thought process that God's got my back. Can you think of a better advocate? There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a word for Jesus in the scriptures that he is my advocate, that he speaks on my behalf in the court of law. I mean, can you think of a better lawyer speaking on your behalf in a court of law than Jesus himself? That's pretty strong. So the byproduct of trusting God is not only wisdom, but also the benefits of strength and safety. And then write down this, and this is great, the folly of perception. The folly of perception. Verses 21 and 22. When I say perception, I'm meaning judgment that comes from an awareness or understanding and this is what he says in verse 21. Don't eavesdrop on others. You may hear your servant curse you, for you know how often you yourself have cursed others. Do we have anybody in here that likes to eavesdrop on the conversations of other people? Anybody ever been to a restaurant, somebody sitting behind you, and you're spending your time, your spouse is talking to you, your business partner's talking to you, and you're trying to hear the conversation of the person behind you? And they're looking at you and they're going, did you just hear what I said? And you're going, uh, yeah, yeah. And they're going, you didn't hear a word I said. You're trying to hear, the, you're listening to the person behind us. You've been there. Who hasn't done that? Would you please raise your hand? <laughs> liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> you know, I, I was getting my hair cut back home. And uh, I... I not at home, but I was sort of away from home. I was, you know, a couple of cities away. And I'm sitting in the barbershop, and it was one of those old barbershops, you know. It was just, you know, that type of barbershop. So I was getting, my, I was getting my, my hair cut, and I was sitting, and I was listening to the conversations. And the longer I sit, the, the more I thought, Lord, I just need to get up and leave. Because I thought, I know most of the people in here. They just don't know who I am. Because I'm fatter, older, and uglier than what I used to be. Okay. <laughs> So I kept sitting there, and finally one of the guys said, Hey, man, he said, where are you from? And I said, I, I don't think I want to tell you. <laughs> and so, so he said, well, No, man, where are you from? So I told him, he goes, Hey, man, what's your name? So I told him, he goes, Oh, man, I used to ride the bus with you on the, at school. And I said, I said, you did? He said, yeah. I said, man, what's your name? He said, my name's Punchy. I said, punchy? He said, yeah, man, I used to always get in trouble at school. Don't you remember? I used to punch people all the time. <laughs> and the other guy, he says, yeah, man, I saw and saw. I said, well, man, what's your name? My name's Roach. I said, that just gives you a little insight, guys, of the people that I grew up with. <laughs> Steve Whitaker, you have no business laughing. No business laughing at me. But how many of us formulate an opinion based on perceptions, on something that we hear or something that we think? Did you see what happened this past week in, the, in that event back in Dallas? And somebody's picture was put up on the news. And all of a sudden, yesterday, I, because I don't get a chance to always watch TV, I found out that it wasn't, didn't have anything to do with that event at all. Wrongly accused of something he didn't have anything to do with. As a matter of fact, he was trying to help and assist. 
But how many of us wrongly accuse or base an opinion on a perception? How many of us make bad judgments on something we think only to learn later on down the line that what we thought wasn't true? How many of us are worried or make judgments based on what other people think? And let me say this, there is only one person that matters what they think. And that's what our Heavenly Father thinks about us. Kids, I want you to write something down and I want you to I want you to remember these. This is what God says about us, and this is what matters. Psalms 139, God says this, I'm fearfully, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And in the book of Psalms, he says, you're the apple of his eye. And then in the book of Deuteronomy, in the Old Testament, he says that you are his treasured possession. Let's, why don't we just say that together? Kids, why don't you say that with me out loud? That what are you? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. That you're the apple of his eye and that you're his treasured possession. Kids, say that out loud with me. What is it? You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're the apple of his eye and you're his treasured possession. Regardless of what anybody else says or what anybody else thinks, that's what God says and what God says matters. Isn't that right, Steve Painter? That's a big deal. That's a very big deal. As a matter of fact, Proverbs, Proverbs 29, 25 says, you want to get in trouble? Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. Fearing people can get you in an awful lot of trouble, as a matter of fact. But trusting the Lord means safety. Look at verse 23 and write down the folly of wisdom. Because we've been talking about wisdom, the importance of wisdom, the application of wisdom. Look at what Solomon has to say. He says, I've always tried my best to let wisdom guide my thoughts and actions. And I've said to myself, I'm determined to be wise, but it didn't work. I mean, this is the guy that asked the Lord for wisdom and God granted him wisdom. Said to have been the most wisest person to have ever lived beside Jesus on the face of the earth. He said, but it didn't work. Wisdom is always dis distant and difficult to find. I searched everywhere, determined to find wisdom and to understand the reason for things. I was determined to prove to myself that wickedness was stupid and that foolishness is madness. I discovered that a seductive woman is a trap more bitter than death. Her passion is a snare. Her softness, her, her soft hands are chains. And those who are, pleased to, are pleasing to God will escape her, but her sinners will be caught in her snare. Solomon, the wisest, said, I did everything to try to, to be wise, to let my thoughts and my actions to, to, to do the right thing. And he said, but it was always a struggle. And he said that wisdom always seemed to be beyond his ability. And he said, I searched everywhere. I was determined. I was determined to find wisdom and to understand the reason for things, especially when it came down to prosperity and adversity and why in the world would God allow. And he said, but I just couldn't seem to get my hands around it. It always seemed to slip away. There always seemed to be a, a wrestling that happened within my soul. And then he came to the understanding that he was, that he was a sinner. That he was a sinner. And one of the downfalls that Solomon had was the fact of his love for women. I mean, he did something that God told him not to do. God told him not to do it, and he did it anyway. I mean, have you ever done that? Before you pass judgment on Solomon, please, man, have a gut check yourself. When's the last time you've passed judgment on somebody else? Before you do that, you better check yourself. 
It's easy for us to be able to look and to point a finger at somebody else, but we better check ourselves. Because we're sinners, and every one of us are a step away from stupidity. And Solomon discovered that in the folly and foolishness, that it was more bitter than death. Because what foolishness does, it ensnares us, and it leads us towards bondage. And what it does, it, it leads us to say, I don't need God, and, and God, that, that I can handle it. And the only thing that escapes her grip is the man who says, God, I fear you, and that you're the foundation of true knowledge. But you know what a fool does? A fool says, no, I got it taken care of. And Braxton read it for us. He read that verse, For the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. And this is what Solomon discovered. And you're going to find out where he keeps going back and back and back to this, this thought process. And he said, this is the conclusion. Says the teacher, I've discovered this after looking at the matter from every possible angle. Though I've searched repeatedly, I've not found what I was looking for. Maybe you can identify with that. Can you identify with that? I've searched repeatedly. Man, it's not in a new boat, and it's not in a new play toy, and it's, it's not in a new spouse, and it's not in a new house, and it's not in a new whatever. It's not in a new lazy boy. It's not in a position. It's not in possessions. It's not in more money in your bank account. It's not in anything to do with comfort, and it's not in it with anything to do with control because only God satisfies. And then he says something that's pretty difficult to understand. Only one out of a thousand men is virtuous, but not a woman. Now, whoo, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Can I get an amen, men? Amen. It's not a good time to say an amen. <laughs> Let me see if I can put this in perspective. I'm so tired I could croak. Um, he's as old as the hills. Um, I'm so hungry I could eat a horse. Now, who in the world wants to eat a horse? You know? You, it's, that, it's that exaggeration. That, what do they call it? A hyperbole? So what he's doing is it's a, it's a statement that he's making. He's making this wild, outrageous statement. He's not, he's not saying that's true. He's just saying... I'm, I'm struggling. I'm struggling to find somebody. I'm struggling to find somebody that's wise. Somebody that's getting it right. Somebody who's doing it right. Somebody who's living right. Somebody who's seeking after the things of God day in and day out. That's not struggling. That's not wrestling. I can't find it. I'm struggling. He says, I can't find it. But we got a lot of good people that get it all right to go to church, right? That's why people on the outside look at people on the inside and say there's nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. Because the people on the inside say they got it all right, and they go out on the outside saying they got it all right, but the people on the outside know that they don't have it all right because they can see, right? Did you just, did you all catch, could you all, could you all hang with me on that? And then he says this in verse 29. But this I did find, 
that God created people, he created us to be virtuous. But they have turned to follow their own downward path. God created us to be in a relationship with him, to live in fellowship with him. But he recognized that we chose to sin. He recognized and knew, here's Adam and Eve, chose to have fellowship with God, but they did what? They chose to sin. And that seed of sin, that nature was passed down to us. And in Romans chapter 5, it says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world and Adam brought death. So, so death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. And here's Solomon's wisdom telling him one thing as he looked at his own life as, as well as he, as he scanned the lives of others around him. And he said this, we are a mess. We're a mess. Here we are, we've turned to follow our own downward paths. In other words, we're all sinners. This is the precursor to Romans chapter 3, 23, for we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And as sinners, we can't satisfy. We try things to satisfy, and last week we learned that comfort doesn't satisfy. And this week we're talking about things of control don't satisfy us. But the only thing that brings lasting satisfaction is God. Not just a yearning after God, but the love of God. And the love of God isn't something that, that, we, that we have to, we have to, and he gives it freely. God doesn't withhold his love from us, but he gives it freely. In Romans 8, it said, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all. Won't he also give us everything else? In another translate, translation, he says this. He said, but will he not also along with him freely give us all things? God gives his love freely. All we have to do is embrace it, believe it, and begin to live it out. He just didn't tell us how much he loved us, but he proved it. Growing up, you know, you, you, you may have heard those words, I dare you, or, you know, you prove it. You prove it. And what did God say? I did. I did. And my son Jesus demonstrated his love that while you were still a sinner, he gave his life for you. And 1 John 4.10, this is real love, not that we loved God first, but that he loved us and he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sin. Because God alone satisfies. Nothing else. And if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, whatever you're putting in that void, guys, it's always going to come up empty. Whatever it is that you may be filling that, that hole with, somewhere along the line, it's going to come back empty. It may take a little time because everything else that we put in that hole is temporary. But Jesus satisfies for eternity. And if you don't know him today, what makes 
what stops you from making the most important decision of all? What a blessing it is to have our children like Alex to make a decision early on in life and say, I want to follow Jesus. But that's not the ending of Alex's relationship with Jesus. Alex can make an awful lot of dumb, dumb decisions from now on out. He can still go to heaven. But he can make an awful lot of dumb decisions if he doesn't choose to stay close to the Lord and to stay close to his word and to follow his word. How many people will go to heaven but still face an awful lot of pain and suffering on this earth because of foolish actions, because they chose not to be wise and to listen to what God's instructions had to say? Are you with me? It's a word for all of us that are believers. But if you don't know Jesus today, what is it that keeps you from making that decision today to make him Lord? Let me tell you what it is. The only thing that keeps you from making that decision is you humbling yourself and saying, I need you. Jesus, my life's a mess. My life's a mess. I've tried everything else in the world, but my life is a mess. I've tried to fill it. I've tried to fill that gap with all this other stuff, but my life is a mess. I need you. And it's believing what Jesus did on the cross was enough to pay the, pen, pay the penalty of the sins, of our sins. Believing to trust in him and saying, I want to commit to live to Jesus. And I want to begin to not only read his word, but to apply it to my life. I want to be a Christ follower. And if that's you today, man, today could be the day, the greatest day of your life as you make the most important decision of your life. Would you bow with me? Father, what a great day it is for us to be able to gather and to hear from our children and to be able to continue in our, our reading of your word from the book of Ecclesiastes. We're very thankful um, for God's word. We're very thankful for the ability to be able to send and to invest in the lives of our children and teenagers and, and to have that, that family feeling. And, uh, and Lord, but this is what I know as I, as I read the scriptures. Father, just as Solomon wrestled, we're going to wrestle. And the basis of that wrestling is the fact that we try to put so much other things, so many other things in that void that's there in our lives instead of Jesus. And God, if there's some people here today, if there's that person here today that doesn't know you, I'm praying that even this morning they may make that decision to say, right now, I just, man, I'm tired of trying to fill my life with all this other stuff. I want to fill my life with Jesus. I want to trust him. I want to follow him. I want to obey him. That this morning, today, I want to give my life to Christ. I've realized that, man, my life's a mess. I've been a fool. Jesus, I believe that you died on that cross for the penalty, to pay the penalty of my sins. And Jesus, I want to commit my life to you. I want to follow you. I want to give you my life. And if that's you today, Right where you are, just say, Jesus, I want to give you my life. I want to trust you. I want to follow you. I want to be part of your family. Right there where you are. Jesus, I want to give you my life. If that's a prayer that you've prayed with every head bowed and every eye closed, Jesus, I want to give you my life today. Right where you are with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, if you would just let me know, just say, Sid, I, man, that's a prayer that I prayed. I want to give Jesus my, I want to give him my life today. I want to trust him. I want to follow him as, 
If that's you, just raise your hand right where you are. I want to follow Jesus. And I, want, I don't want to walk in this foolishness any longer. I see. I see you. Anybody else? I see some others. I want to follow you. I don't want to walk in this foolishness anymore. Lots of hands. I don't want to walk in this foolishness any longer. I want to give, I want to be a Christ follower. Brian, we're going to need to do this this morning. We've got several people. We've got several people today, more than, more than several, that have raised their hands. Saying that I today want to give my life to Christ. Overseers, and uh, would you please... If you're here this morning, would you please come and stand with me up front? Um, Mr. Ted, would you come? Um, Miss Carol, Meredith, Sharon. For those of you that raised your hand, I want to give you an opportunity to not only just sit and raise your hand today, and, and, I, and I just feel led to do this. I just don't want you to raise your hand and walk out of here today. But if today you're really serious about this thing of, man, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want you to come. And there are some people here that are Christ followers that would love to pray with you and to just encourage you in this journey. For you just to come and say, listen, I, I'm, I'm one of those ones that raised my hand today and I, I don't understand it all, but I want to be a Christ follower. I want to give you that option today to be able to be bold and to be courageous as difficult as it is. But this is the other thing I want to say. Saying yes to Jesus early on in life or, or saying yes to Jesus somewhere along the line does not constitute the fact that you're going to live a, a godly life. That is a day in and day out. That's a day in and day out. And that's a struggle. And what wisdom is, as we talked about, it's the application of the knowledge of God's Word that we see what God's Word has to say and we just don't hear it but it's, we apply it. And I promise you, every one of us in, in this room, I know you because I know myself. Every one of us in this room falls short. And we've got issues that we're struggling and dealing with. And you probably have some areas of your life that you need prayer with, about, or for. Sins maybe that are going on in your life right now that you need to ask God for forgiveness for. And you maybe need accountability to deal with. Maybe you need to go to somebody and ask forgiveness because there's something that's taken place and your relationship with them has been hindered and there's something today that needs to be gotten right. God's Word says get it right. Get it right and get it over with. But whatever it is today that you're dealing with, if, you're, if you raised your hand and say, man, I need to know Jesus, you come and you, you ask one of these people, man, will you pray with me? I, I, I want to I follow Jesus. If you're here today as a follower of Christ, and maybe there's, you've just not been wise, maybe you're, the, you're at that place of recognizing just like Solomon, man, I'm struggling and I'm struggling, not just me, but I've got people all around me and I've recognized that I'm a sinner. And even as, a, even as somebody that wants to follow Jesus, I'm wrestling. Maybe you want to come and kneel and pray. You come. But I just really feel led today that we need to have this time of invitation. And so as Brian plays or as he sings, however he feels led, you respond. And after you respond, we'll close out in prayer.